Joshua chapter 2. I want you to read with me if you would, starting in verse 12, and we're going to skip around and read a few verses. Joshua 2.12 Now therefore I pray you, this is Rahab speaking to the two spies, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if you utter not this our business. And it shall be, when the Lord hath given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Skip down to verse 18. And behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let, let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. Skip down to verse 21. And she said, According unto your words, so be it. And he sent them, she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. This is going to be our study today, y'all. I'm excited about it. There was uh, Joshua. In the book of Joshua, this is early on in the book of Joshua when they're about to go into the city of Jericho. You know, uh, this book starts out saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now get you up and lead this people into Israel, basically. And he had been anointed in Moses' stead to be the leader of Israel. Joshua was going to be the man that God chose to use to bring His people into the promised land. He had promised to bring them in. God always keeps His promises. Amen? The people had been unfaithful. That whole first generation died in the wilderness. How? In unbelief. But God was faithful to keep His promise. And He was doing it through a man named Joshua and bringing him in. Bringing the people in. So, we see the first real miracle. Uh, we didn't read it today, but they're on... Uh, traveling in, in the plains of Moab, and, and that's where they're encamped, and then they have to cross the uh, Jordan River. And God parts the Jordan River, right? And the priests lead the way with the ark, and everybody passes the, across the Jordan River on dry ground. Now they're in the land, and the Lord comes and speaks to Joshua and says he's the captain of the Lord of hosts, and, and to lead this people in, and the first enemy that they face, and all the Canaanites, all the, the different Canaanites in, that live there, is going to probably be their most formidable foe. It's a walled city, a great wall to where houses were on the wall. Rahab's house is on the wall. We're going to read it in just a moment. And this is the first thing that they, they face when they cross the river. Okay, here's the promised land. And the first thing we face is a powerful enemy with walled cities all around. And God has His plan. You know the plan. He says, I want you to march around the city. Take the men, the, the leaders. It wasn't all the children and everyone. But I want you to march around the city uh, one time a day for six days and don't say a word. There will be seven priests bearing seven trumpets before the ark which is being carried. And they're going to be blowing on those trumpets. 
And the seventh day, I want you to march around the city seven times with the same manner with the priest blowing the trumpet and no other words being spoken. And the seventh time, when you've compassed the city, I want you to shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Okay? This was going to be the plan. And so Rahab is a resident of this land, uh, city of Jericho, and this Canaanite people. I want you to skip over to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua 6, let's start reading in verse 20. We'll read through 23. Joshua 6.20 So the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets. This was after the seventh day, the seventh encompassing of the city. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. But Joshua said unto the two men that had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath as you swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brother, brethren and all that she had. And they brought all of her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And we'll skip down to verse uh, 25. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. I know that you've heard this story before. Joshua and the the battle of Jericho, and I know you know the, are familiar with the account of Rahab the harlot being spared. But it's a, an amazing thing when you really stop and look at it. We're going to study this today that all of Jericho was utterly destroyed. Okay, it was utterly destroyed. It was, uh, you know, the animals were destroyed, the, the young and the old, the male and the female. Everything was destroyed and the city was burnt with fire. And Joshua even pronounced a curse and said, curse is whoever lays the foundation of the city again to rebuild it. Okay? God dealt with it. God utterly destroyed it. And yet we see that this Rahab, a harlot of all people, this harlot who was a citizen of that city and a citizen of this pagan Canaanite land, in an idolatrous nation, the Canaanites had all kinds of idolatry that Moses had warned the children of Israel about when they got there. That's one reason the destruction had to be so utter and complete is so that the children of Israel wouldn't adopt and comp- those pagan idols and begin to compromise. But think about it. Everything was destroyed, but Rahab the harlot and her father's household, and the Bible says very clearly all that she had Joshua saved alive. Now Joshua represents the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. He represents the Lord. And any representation of a man can only go so far in actually representing the Lord. But in the aspect of Joshua being a Savior and a Deliverer, he represents the Lord Jesus Christ. Joshua represents Christ who is a Savior of sinners. We're talking about Rahab today, right? Now, we know all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but she was a prostitute. She would have been a notable 
sinner, just what you would call a notable sinner. The New Testament has Mary Magdalene as well, and, and our lives have, have the same testimonies. But Joshua represents Christ, and Christ is a Savior of sinners. And Jesus Christ would come uh, 1,400 years or so later than this to be the Savior of the world. And He would be a Savior, and is a Savior still today, to the uttermost. And that's such a good picture of Joshua and this little snapshot of this one event with Rahab being spared. He's a sa- Jesus is a Savior to the uttermost. I know you know the Scripture. I'm just going to read it. Wherefore He is able also to save them. This is speaking about our Lord. To the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. So the word uttermost, when the Bible says that Jesus Christ is a Savior to the uttermost, that means entire, full-ended completion. When the Lord saves somebody, He saves them all the way. He doesn't save half of a person. He doesn't save their present, but not their future. He doesn't forgive them of their past, but not redeem them in the future and and for the present and for all time. He doesn't save uh, their in their physical bodies, but not their moral bodies. He saves to the uttermost. Entire, complete. Now, sanctification takes some time where we're being, the Lord's working it out, that salvation in our lives. But He is, make no doubt about it, Jesus Christ is the Savior, and He's a Savior to the uttermost, to the entire, full-ended completion. And today, I'll just pray that we would... Uh, that Jesus will be magnified. Of course, I pray that every day and in, in every time we gather, but specifically in this message that He would be magnified as Savior and the salvation of the Lord would be magnified in our hearts and minds. In Hebrews, it's called so great salvation. And it is great. And we get, we get used to it. I think I was saved on such and such a day. and Okay, whatever. But... But it is such a great salvation. And it's an amazing thing what the Lord has done for us. The love of God to do it. The power of God to do it. And to do it fully. To say, And He's still saving us. We talked about it before. He saved us the day you gave your life genuinely to the Lord by faith. Repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And His work on the cross, you were saved. And so was I. But He's saving us and preserving us, if you want to call it that every day and keeping us saved. It says in Jude, unto Him who is able to keep us from falling, right? And He is the one that is going to save us all the way to the uttermost and present us faultless with joy before his, the throne of His Father's glory one day in heaven. So He is a Savior to the uttermost. Not only did Joshua save Rahab alive when the city was destroyed, all she had was saved. In other words, this is just such a good picture. She was saved, but all that she had was saved. And the Bible says, we read it in Joshua 6.25, she dwelleth in Israel unto this day. At the time that Joshua was writing this book, this historical book, she was a, a citizen of Israel and the people of God. So he didn't just get her out of there and say, all right, we, we kept our word, now get out of here. She was brought out of the city and all that she had and made part of the family of Israel. What does Israel represent? They represent the people of God. I know they didn't perfectly serve God. There's no doubt about that. 
but they represent that covenant people that God uh, set to be a light of the Gentiles. And He chose them because He chose them. And He still has a plan to redeem surviving Israel, even in the tribulation period. And He's chosen to set His name in Jerusalem. He's identified Himself with that name forever. Rahab became part of this people. She didn't just get spared from death. She would have died one day anyway. Everybody's going to die one day anyway. She was spared and made part, uh, dwelt with the people of Israel. Now I want to talk about this for just a moment. Joshua, the name Joshua is a com- uh, that name. You know, the names in the Bible mean something. I know you know that. It's a combination. His name is a combination of two words. Jehovah and Yasha. And Jehovah is the Hebrews name. That's their most common name that they called God. Okay, Jehovah. And that means self-existent, eternal Lord. Self-existent, eternal Lord. Jehovah. That was the most common name that Israel used when speaking of the Lord. Yasha, or Yasha, it means, this is, this is good when you put these together, because this word Yasha means to be free, to be safe, to deliver, to avenge, to rescue, to get victory, to bring salvation. So you put these two names together, Jehovah, the eternal self-existent Lord, and then uh, basically the Savior, the Avenger, the Deliverer, to rescue. And you put those names together and it literally, literally means Jehovah saved. Jehovah saved. The eternal God saved. And, and the Bible says that He brings salvation. I'm just going to read this from Zechariah 9.9. Uh, uh, messianic prophecy before Jesus came. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king, come, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. So how's the king going to come? The king's going to come having salvation. He still saves today. Amen? Joshua represents the Savior. And we're looking specifically in the, in the context this morning of the story of Rahab the harlot. But this, she asked, the Bible says that she asked the Lord, I mean, she asked the two spies for a true token. She says, give me a true token. Because you know the story, we didn't read it all, but the, uh, about 38 to 40 years before, 12 spies had been sent in the land. Moses sent 12 spies in. One of those was Joshua. Okay? Joshua and Caleb. They came back with a good report. The other ten had an evil report. Made the hearts of the people faint in unbelief. And they, they were, God says you're not going to go in because of your unbelief. That whole generation died in the wilderness after they wandered for 40 years. And now they're back again to the very brink. And they're going in. Joshua's going to lead them in. And it's going to be faith that leads them in. And Joshua represents that faith of the Lord. Amen? But... Uh, they're, they're getting ready to go in, and so he sends two spies in, and we don't even know their names, or we didn't read about their two names, and they go in, and this woman hides them. Because the soldiers got word, hey, there's two guys that came in here. They knew all about Israel. They knew they were coming. And they, two, they sent two spies in here. Where are they? We've got to find them. And Rahab hid the spies and said, no, they were two guys here. I don't know where they went. Go quickly, and you'll find them. I think they went out the city gates. And so the men went looking out the city gates and they closed the gates for the night and the men were hidden in her house. Her house was actually on the wall. That's where she lived. And so that's, that's the story. But she says, okay, now I've showed you this kindness. 
I want you to show me a true token, the Bible, she says in the Bible, that, that you're not going to destroy me, that you're going to spare me a lot. Don't just tell me you're going to do it. Give me some kind of true token. So to look that up. What is a, a true token that you're going to keep us keep my, me and my family alive when you come back and take this city? It means a signal. It means true means faithful or sure or stable or certain. I want you to give me a certain sign, basically, a certain token, a certain beacon, a monument, evidence. And, the, and this is our this is our message today. So. Help, pay attention right here if you would. Give What's the true token? Give me a true token that you're going to spare me and my family alive. And the true token that God saw fit to give was what? This scarlet cord. It says a thread in, in one passage, in another it says a cord. It was threads that you sew with, but it was bound together in a rope. Okay? And it was the same scarlet rope that she let them escape by. Because once the, the police basically were gone, she let them down over the wall by this rope. And they escaped back. After three days hiding out, they made it back to the camp of Israel. They said, you take this same scarlet thread by which we were let down and our lives were saved by, and you let it down. So when this whole big city is going to crumble and fall, and everybody in it, including the animals, is going to be destroyed. And Israel is going to take it and possess it. This is going to be the token. This scarlet line. We're given, that's going to be, and God saw fit to do that. God has a purpose for everything. It's not just because, well, what, what kind of sign? Okay, take this piece of red rope and that will be the sign. It wasn't chosen because it was simply the most handy thing. God had a purpose in it. And I know that you've heard this before, but I want us to think on it this morning. The scarlet cord was representative of Christ and His blood that was shed. The scarlet cord, the crimson cord. And we sang all these songs about the blood this morning. Every song just about was about the blood of Jesus shed for me. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, it is our victory. That scarlet thread, about 1,400 years before, don't, the Bible is an amazing thing, and our God is an amazing God to foretell and foretell and foretell and point. And as it gets closer to the coming of Jesus, it just hones in on it. It gets more and more precise in Isaiah's prophecies and David's prophecies in the Psalms. And even Moses saying that prophet's going to come. And all these prophecies, this was a prophecy or a picture. We've talked about the tabernacle and the priestly worship and the altar and the sacrifices of the Old Testament covenant. And, and all of this scarlet thread, y'all, don't, we don't want to minimize that. That, that spoke as, as to the coming of Jesus and the blood of His covenant. The blood of the new covenant of Jesus Christ. And it foretold that scarlet thread foretold of the coming Savior, Savior who would one day come and shed His own blood, His sinless blood, and give His own sinless life to be the Savior of the world. That He's coming. And Joshua, remember, represents Christ's coming. 
And this red cord represents the blood of Jesus and His coming. Jesus would come one day come about 1,400 years after Rahab was saved from this destruction. He would come to seek and save sinners. He would come to reconcile men unto God. How? By the blood of His cross. He would come to be the Savior of all men in the way uh, Paul says it, especially to those that believe. So it's an amazing thing that a harlot is saved. You might not think that's a big thing, but we know he came to save sinners, but a harlot was saved, and all of her family was saved, and all that she had was saved and rescued. She didn't lose one thing. She she didn't just get out with her life, although she did get out with her life. She says, What I want I want my dad to be saved. I want my mom to be saved. I want my brothers and sisters to be saved. I want all my stuff that we can carry out of here to be saved. They said, okay, that's how it's going to be. Who's ever in this house, you know, when we attack the city and God gives it to us, you're going to be saved. Our, our life for yours, if we don't keep this word. And the token that God saw fit was the blood of Jesus. Okay? This crimson cord, this scarlet cord. And she was rescued. And the Bible says that... Uh, Whosoever, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. So here's a harlot. Anybody in that city could have called upon the Lord. But we know she did. And she was saved in her household. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. And she was welcomed, welcomed as I said, this just tops it all off. She was welcomed into the people of Israel. They were distinct people of God. And yet, there, she was welcome, welcomed in. And her family welcomed in. You're going, to, you're going to be with us. She probably came back and lived back in the city again. You know what I mean? After it, the dust settled and, and everything. Came back and lived with the people of God. Not only through the rest of this her life on this earth, but she's with the Lord in heaven today. We know that from the Scriptures. She was justified by faith. True, Rahab had truly come to know this one that that scarlet cord represented. You say, well, how do you know? That's making a reach. It's not a reach when we read the Bible. I want to read a couple of Scriptures to you. Hebrews 11.31. I'll just read it to you. You know what that whole chapter of Hebrews 11 is about, right? Faith. Faith obtains. By faith, the elders obtained a good report. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God, that's by faith, must believe that He is and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And so, the Bible says she's mentioned in this book. And she's mentioned in this chapter. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. You know what that's saying? She had faith in the Lord and she was not an unbeliever. She didn't die in unbelief like those in the rest of the city that perished when when she had received the spies with peace. She didn't die in unbelief. She didn't die with the unbelievers. She was justified by faith and just like Abraham, Abraham was in the Old Testament. Remember we did our study on that. How were, were people saved in the Old Testament? If so, how were people saved in the Old Testament? Absolutely. Men and women were saved in the Old Testament. How were they saved? Same way we are. By faith. Abraham believed God Believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it unto him for righteousness, or imputed it to him. That means he actually interwove it into his being. That's what that word means. God took righteousness and imputed it to Abraham. 
and interwove it into his being. Did he always behave in a righteous manner after that? No. But he was justified by faith. Okay, same for Rahab the harlot. Same faith that Abraham had, Rahab the harlot had. She believed in the Lord. And the Lord counted her for righteousness. And, and James talks about Rahab. James says she was justified by her works. But when you study that whole passage, it's, she was justified by works of faith. She was justified by works that living faith produced. Because she really believed in God, she acted upon it. She risked her own life by hiding the two spies. She rescued them that day. She was used to rescue them, and she rescued them by the scarlet cord. And that she wasn't saved because she did that. She did that because she put her trust in the Lord. And it was evident. Okay? Now I want to just read this. If you're still in Joshua and want to read along, you can. Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. We'll read through verse 11. Because I want to talk about her faith. And that we know that she was not just spared, but she was saved. Okay? Like morally justified before the Lord. And she said unto the men, I know the Lord hath given you the land. So look what she She's living in a pagan nation. She's a harlot, a prostitute. She lives among nothing but pagan people worshiping idols. And she says this unto the two spies when they visited, came to her house. I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. This is about 40 years before. She had heard about it though. For you, when you came out of Egypt, and what he did unto the two king of the, kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, listen what she says, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and earth beneath. This is a wonderful, wonderful profession of her faith. And she believed it to the point to where she hazarded her own life and hid the spies. And said, I want to be with y'all. Your God's going to take this city. I'm, I'm trusting your God to spare me. Give me your word. Okay? And again, the word and the token was the blood of Jesus in this scarlet line. In this scarlet cord, y'all, it, it was actually in the early church, like in the, in the days of the early church in the book of Acts, it became a... I just read this historically. The scarlet thread became a, to a symbol of Christianity. Just like, you know, see the symbol of the fish and represents Jesus multiplying the fish and the loaves and things like that. And if it was a symbol of the early church, the scarlet cord and thread was also a symbol of the early church. And think about it, y'all. We're talking about the blood of Jesus. This scarlet cord speaks of the blood of Christ and it also speaks of that first Passover. Think about it specifically in the situation with in the circumstance with Rahab. The, the first Passover in Egypt, when God was bringing His children out of 440 years of slavery and bondage, we know what happened that night. He said, take the lamb, to all the Hebrews, right? Take the lamb, uh, kill the lamb, put the blood above the doorpost and on the side, get in the house and stay in the house. Okay, get your feet shot and ready to go like we heard this morning. 
and be dressed and ready to go and have your stuff packed up and eat the, the meal, the lamb, and, and uh, the unleavened bread and so forth, because tonight I'm going to pass through the land. And all the firstborn from the servant's house to the Pharaoh's house that does not have the blood upon that house and they're not safely in that house is going to die. I don't care what your name is. I don't care what your history is. I don't care what you've professed in your life. Whoever is not safely and securely in the house with the blood of the Lamb as I prescribed, death is going to come to the firstborn of that house. I don't care who it is. And that was the only criteria. That was the only salvation. And the death angel arbitrarily, you know, uh, or, you know, passes through the land without preference. And whoever does not have the blood, and Pharaoh was a victim as well, firstborn in Pharaoh's house died. And so this cord represents that. It represents uh, like the ark as well, because Rahab's house was an ark. Everybody that was safe in that house, Noah was safe, right? I, all living, the end of all flesh has come before me, the Lord says, I'm going to destroy man. Uh, because the wickedness is multiplied and the violence is great on the earth. But Noah found grace. Build the an ark, okay? Noah walked with God. Other people could have gotten on the ark. There was room for more. And he was a preacher of righteousness, the Bible tells us. So he's telling people, God's going to bring a flood. He's going to bring destruction. Nobody listened. But that ark was big enough for whoever will, whosoever will. And that scarlet cord would have been like an ark. It's the blood of Jesus. Everybody that was on the ark was saved. And y'all, everybody that was in that house that was on the walls of Jericho, Rahab's house, that had that thread hanging on it, was safe. No questions asked. The soldiers didn't ask any question. Was this really your dad? Or is that really your brother or sister? They didn't ask any of that. They're in that house. They made, you, you go get in there and you get those people out. You save them out of there. They put them safely outside with the camp of Israel and set them outside of the city. And, and this speaks Jesus Christ, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. He is our Passover. And it is blood. It's, his blood is the only thing okay, that, that makes us fit for heaven. It's only the blood of Jesus. That's what he's still looking for today. He looked for the blood on the doorposts of those houses to pass over or to save. It's the only thing he's looking for now. No different. It's the only thing he's looking for now is the blood of Jesus. It has to be genuine. And the Lord knows if it's genuine in the heart of the believer. But he is the Passover lamb. And he is the deliverer. And he's still delivering today. I'm going to read this. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.10, speaking of Christ, who delivered us from so great a death. Not just the people, not Rahab, not just Noah. Paul's speaking to the church at Corinth. And he says, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. He's a deliverer. Okay, he delivered us, he does deliver, and we're trusting that he will deliver us in the future. And so this is the God that we serve and that Joshua represents here. Everyone in Jericho was destroyed, but the house was spared. 
and everyone in the house was spared. All that took shelter in that house were saved. And the only requirement was faith in the, in the Lord. Amen. Faith in the living God. Even the righteousness of, righteousness of God, Romans 3.22, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. Was Rahab not a perfect example of that? It's a justification and a righteousness that God is from God, true righteousness that He imputes and parts to men that is by faith alone. There's no difference. But this is the one we have to have. This is the salvation and what we receive by putting our trust in the Lord. And now I want to just, we're not going to be too much longer this morning, but I want to just talk a little bit about the kindness of the Savior. Is this not kindness of the Lord? The, the mercy of the Lord shown to sinners. Rahab was actually uh, counted in the genealogy of the kings. If you read in Matthew chapter 1, you read the genealogy of Jesus. The birth of Jesus was on this wise, and, you know, and it talks about the genealogy. And in the genealogy, is Rahab the harlot mentioned? She's not Jewish. She was a, a prostitute. Okay? And she is listed in the lineage of the Savior of the world. What an what a honor. She was actually David's, King David's great-great-grandfather. Rahab the harlot married Salmon. Salmon had a, a son named Boaz. We know about Ruth and Boaz. Boaz... And, and Ruth had a son named Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. And Jesse had a son named David. A man after God's own heart. That was, is going to be... Uh, that God made an eternal covenant with David. And Rahab the harlot. Is that not kindness of the Lord? Not only to just get her out of there and say, go on now, get. You know, again, but to, to save her and make her part of the family. Part of the lineage. It, not only of David, but in, she's in the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know I've talked about this before, and I think it's such a good example. We're talking about the Lord justifying someone uh, and saving someone. It is so great salvation. It's different than if you're drowning in the, in the sea and a Coast Guard comes and rescues you. There's a great similarity, okay? But, but what the Lord does is even beyond that. Because the Coast Guard workers... They might risk their lives and so forth. Thank God for them. And they rescue you out of the water, set you safely on shore or some safe place, and you're safe now. But they, you don't enter into any real relationship with them. But Jesus welcomes us into His home. He saves us unto Himself. He doesn't save us and set us over there. Salvation is unto the Lord. It's of the Lord. He saves us unto Himself, to be part of His family. And I've used this example before for justification, just as if I never sinned. That a governor can pardon the worst criminal in the world. They have that right to do that. Governors on their, on their exit a lot of times when they're going out of office, they, they pardon so many criminals. And they legally have the right to do that. So let's say governor pardons uh, an old buddy of his that was a murderer and a child molester. 
And he, he pardons him and, and lets him go. Legally, he's free to go. The law has no more hold upon that man. So he's pardoning out of there. But probably that governor is not going to let that man come sleep at his house. Probably not going to welcome him into his family. He's guilty as sin. Okay, as guilty as can be. He's committed all these heinous crimes. He's unrepentant. But he's being pardoned. So legally he's free. But God doesn't just pardon us. He does pardon us. But He pardons us and justifies us and says, come on in here and into my family. And sets His love upon us and His affection. And he's, wherefore, God's not ashamed to be called our God. Is what the Scripture says. That's different than just uh, pardoning me and, and yet, hey, I pardoned you. Now get out of here. Not get around my kids. Okay? It's criminal. Uh, the Lord makes us just and he did this with Rahab the harlot. He did it for his glory. And he's not ashamed to be called Rahab's God. Or your God. Or my God. And and I want to tell you that that the Lord is still saving men today in the same fashion. It's a very simple message this morning. But he's still reaching down to lift men up. He's still dip, lifting men that are part of Adam's fallen race. As in and Adam all die, okay? As by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, the death was passed upon all men for that all have sinned. That's by one man. God is still reaching down and saving sinners out of Adam's race and making him part of that second Adam and the family of that second Adam, Jesus Christ, His Son. And He places us as his representatives before men, and he's not ashamed to do it. Your background, your history, my history of sin is washed away. And he's not ashamed to take that one who's lived a life of sin, notable sin, horrible sin, and set them out there before men as an example of his grace and mercy and his power to save. He'll take the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. He took me, amen? He takes us. He took Rahab the heart and He sets us out after He washes us in His blood and His Holy Spirit comes and lives in us and He justifies us and He's not ashamed to put us out there and say, you represent me out here. You show men and women what God can do in the life of a sinner. I want you to read this. We just have a few more Scriptures we're going to close. I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. The Lord still longs to save sinners. Amen? And He's still saving sinners like He saved Rahab. 1 Timothy 1, verse 11. Here's Paul speaking. According to the glorious Gospel, he calls it a glorious Gospel, amen, of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for He counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. Who did it all? The Lord did it all. And then he describes himself before God did all this for me. Here's what I was before. Verse 13. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth. How's He going to do it through Paul? Through the one that was Saul of Tarsus who was injurious and a blasphemer. 
might show forth through me, he says, all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. And he just has to stop that. And he says, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He's just overwhelmed. It's not just, oh, I was saved on such and such a day. He is gloriously saved. He's saved by a glorious and amazing gospel and a glorious Savior who's still saving sinners today. The Bible says that He's not willing that any perish but all come to repentance who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And then He says in Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The Lord is still saving sinners. Can I tell you, He's still saving harlots and He's still saving good old boys that aren't that way. He's saving rich and poor. He's saving patriots. He's saving anarchists. He's saving young and old. He's saving model citizens. He's saving hardened criminals. He can deliver nations. And He can deliver our nation. Don't think He can't do it. He can still rescue people from the mouth of the lions, His own people. He can still save like He did the three Hebrew boys from the fiery furnace. He hasn't changed. He hasn't stopped loving men. And He hasn't lost His power to save. Amen? He has not. I'm closing with two Scriptures. Do you can come. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 29, this is the three Hebrew boys they've been spared because the fourth man was in the fire with them, the Lord Jesus, and the fire had no hurt on them and no effect on them because they stood for God. Amen? They didn't bow to save their necks. They stood and Jesus saved them. And I want to read this from Daniel 3.29. So here's what the wicked pagan king who threw him in the fire says when the Lord saves him out of it. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill. Listen to what he says. Because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Did we see it with Rahab and her whole family? The city was utterly destroyed. Every man, woman, child, beast was killed. She was spared. A scarlet thread marked her house. That was the true token. She was spared. All that she had was spared. And, and the three Hebrew boys were spared. There is no other God. Even a lost, idolatrous, wicked king says, there's no other God that can deliver after this sort. Can I tell you there's not? We need to recognize it. We need to rejoice and be thankful. Y'all stand with me. While you're standing, I'm going to close with one more Scripture. I'm going to just read this to you. You be starting to meditate on the Lord. Think about the Lord. Let your heart just be soft to God and whatever He's trying to lead you to do this morning. But in Revelation 7, 13 and 14, it says, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these that which are arrayed in white robes. I just want you to picture this scene. One of the elders is asking John, who's seeing all this revelation, what are these that are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou, thou knowest. He said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. God is still saving people. He brings us out of great tribulations. He brings us out of great sin. And when He's finished with us, we're washed white in the blood of the Lamb. 
and we'll be around the throne of God forever and ever. And if that doesn't get us excited about Jesus, I don't know what will. Who are these? Where do they come from? He says, you know. He tells them, these are they which came out of great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. How did Rahab get in here? How did Rahab the harlot get to heaven? Same way you and I do. By the blood of Jesus. And He's still saving people today. And He wants us to be about His business and and having our feet shod with the preparation of the Gospel of peace and bringing that Word of salvation to others. We don't save anybody. We bring them to a Savior. We have that power to preach the Gospel by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and for men to get saved. And you find a place. Y'all, these altars are open this altar's open. Find a place and meet with the Lord for a few minutes and just rejoice in God in such great salvation that we have through the blood of Jesus. Oh God, we praise You this morning. God, what, we can, what can we say? Thanks just doesn't seem to be enough. But we do say thank You, God. Thank You for saving me. Thank You for washing me in Your blood. Thank You for making me part of Your family and household. Thank You for justifying me freely by Your grace. Thank You for the imputed righteousness of Almighty God to a sinful man. Thank You, Lord God, for Your goodness to us, God. Thank You for Your power to deliver. Thank You that You can deliver our nation and turn us to Jesus. Not just spare us from socialism or communism. You can deliver us unto Jesus. God, that you bring us to repentance. And one more time, would you grant us revival in this land and have mercy upon us, God. You can save our family members that are lost. You can save our family and reconcile us together in Jesus. God, you can do these things. Forgive us when we don't believe you to do it, God. But we're trusting you to do it. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.